Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 155 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Ian Marchant to discuss the effects of the Blake 7 episode, The Web. Sir, I am fluent in six million forms of communication. This signal is not used by the Alliance. It could be an Imperial code. Hello, listener. Hello, Ian. Hello, uh, Eric. Hello, listener. Hopefully the same listener, possibly a new one. <laughs> well, yes, this is a very strange uh, situation for us because we've just, what, 10 minutes ago finished doing a recording uh, for our Blake Seven in Character podcast. And it's a crossover with Effectively Speaking in that the we've just done an audio commentary on a story called The Web. And now we're going to talk about the same story, but we're going to just have a look at the special effects, aren't we? We are, yes, yeah. As we said in that one, a crossover, a crossover event. Now, if we yeah. could also manage to cross over with Mad Max in character, yes, trifecta, mate. I tell you, with that, I don't know how we would do that. But... Well, we could do it with Doctor Who because you got yes. old Miles Fothergill is in That's this true. story. Yes, we could we could tie it in with uh, Doctor Who Death. adversaries. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. If, if you don't know what the bloody hell we're waffling on about, yeah. if you're, if, you've if, chosen if, the wrong podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know, if there's any listeners out there who don't don't know what Blake Seven is or what the hell we're talking about, um, yeah, Blake Seven is a, a classic TV show, British science fiction TV show, produced by the BBC from 1978 until 1981, and Ian and I are massive fans. Yes, and. Quite a few years ago, three, maybe four years ago, we did a podcast called Blake Seven in Character, didn't we? We did, um, yeah. We didn't We didn't think we'd get much past a couple of episodes, did we? Because we didn't... Uh, it's like, who's, who's going to listen to two old fogies discuss Blake Seven? Um, yeah. But it was it was wildly popular, wasn't it? It was, amazing it was very popular, yeah. yeah, yeah of yeah. course, yeah, yeah, you know, um, built on the shoulders of Star Wars in character. Yes. Um, who um, yeah, we're eternally grateful to. That they um, didn't sue us. Yes, well done. Yes. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. So we're like, we're a spin-off from that. And we also are with our Mad Max in character yes. podcast that we do. And we also, we just mentioned there, we do a Doctor Who one called Doctor Who Adversaries. Yes. So it's not, not at all like all the others, just with a different title. Yeah, it, yeah. It couldn't be described as Doctor Who in character at all. No. no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Ian and I, what I'm trying to say is, Ian and I are, 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 are quite prolific podcasters. Yes. We record twice a week for two of the shows. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and um, so, yeah, but Ian and I's history with Effectively Speaking uh, goes back quite a few years as well. Um, yes. Because I think the very first time you were on this show was for Doctor Who, where we did uh, the Green, Green Death, Death and, yes, and the giant fly that was in that. But the second time you came back to this show yeah. was for Blake yeah. Seven, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, for the Liberator shot. 
Yeah, the beauty the shot, shot yeah. the money shot. Yes, the yeah, the the very first reveal that yeah. we have of the Liberator. Um, so we're along today because, as I say, we've just done a an audio commentary on the web, and it has a fair few special effects in it. So I thought we would talk about that today. Yes. All right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what Blake Seven is, and you can access it in whatever you know territory you're in we do urge you to because you know it's a it's a classic show as i say with some incredible characters in it some incredible notions in it some not so incredible special effects though uh yes, which it, is it, it it it's influenced quite a few shows so you know if you like farscape you'll probably like blake seven if you like firefly you probably will like blake seven because they're both very heavily influenced from it um, don't go in expecting, you know, a Marvel-style flashy special effects and that. This is the BBC in the 70s, you know, they, they could barely afford to put, you know, a, a poster on the wall. <laughs> that, would, that would have stretched the budget. But I don't think it matters um, because the scripts and the acting carry it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those shows that, that actually broke into the mainstream certainly in Britain. So at the time, like people that wouldn't normally watch Doctor Who or wouldn't normally watch Tomorrow People will go, yeah, I'll watch Blake 7 and happily discuss it. Very, very weird crossover TV series, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And, you know, this is a special effects show and, you know, famously, Blake 7 was released the week that Star Wars came out yeah. in cinemas over here in the UK, of course, it was May '77 in America, wasn't it? But over here, yes, it was yeah, boxing. We, it was boxing day. Get films later than the rest of the world. Oh, I idea. remember it very well, and I remember also when they did finally come over out over here. It was London and the big cities that yes, got it for true, the yeah. first like three months. We were called the provincials. Yes, um, yeah, you had to wait for. For, I don't know, was it the fact that they just didn't have enough prints or there was a different way they run the distribution? But you would have to wait for, yep. for, for films to set up, sometimes two years after it was released, to appear at your local cinema. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm down here in Kent, so, yeah. you know, if you desperately were wanting to see a film, you know, you could travel up to London to see it. And I, yeah. when Star Wars came out, there was a, a friend of mine, he swore blind that he went up to London and and uh, and saw it, but no, he didn't. No. He just read the, uh, that, that, that big Star Wars comic adaptation, you know, that was, was out. Was he telling you about the amazing scenes where... Where um, Luke goes to Tushy Station and meets with yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I look forward to seeing that. Um, weird. I mean, when Star Wars, because uh, uh, I, I I grew up in Oxford, which is quite a you know a large university city, um, and start when Star Wars turned up, it went to uh, a place called the New Theatre, and as it as the name suggests, it, it was a theatre, uh, but they would get first run films. Usually they they were the only one to get it, and they would show it on their safety curtain. So they would drop the fire safety <laughs> curtain and show the film on that. They had a projector, and that's how Star Wars, a massive motion picture, was shown in Oxford. So Princess Leia yeah. would have a fold down her face. Oh yeah, it was it was not it was not the best way of seeing a film to be honest. Oh good grief! Um, yeah, very very strange situation. Yeah, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't do it now. But I remember, you know, um, when Star Wars came out, the, the, 
the bods at the BBC, the special effects guys at the BBC, went to see it and came yes. out thoroughly depressed because it's like we can't compete with this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I, I saw. I I can understand the depression they would get, but I think the the work they did for the money is just amazing. It's definitely up there. I mean, the the, the beauty model, the three footer of the Liberator, is up there with the Star Wars miniatures. Mm-hmm. The fact that they couldn't film it in the same way because you know, BBC didn't have motion control car- uh, cameras. Um, the fact they couldn't film it in the way, same way, it's not really their fault. <laughs> but yeah, it did knock them, didn't it? It, it did knock them. them, and also famously, um, was it softly, softly, or Zed cars Blake Seven took over from? Uh, yeah, it was um, softly, softly, wasn't it? Because Zed cars finished and softly, softly took started, That's right. and yeah. then Blake Seven took over with the same budget as yes. softly, softly. Very like softly, softly was a. Um, based on what what vaguely sounds like a racist uh, uh, phrase now, which was softly, softly catching monkey, mm, which um, yeah. it was a, it was about a, detec- a police detective force that would, uh, as the title implies, they it wasn't like the Sweeney where they would bang doors down. It was it was a more realistic uh, sort of detective where they would catch people out on technicalities and things like. That. It was quite a good show, um, but it was usually office bound it was all procedural procedural wasn't it? yeah it was one of the first procedurals it was office bound but they were allowed like t- for each episode two days outside filming so they would film in car parks and things like that and when blake seven filled that slot it had the same budget and the same filming allowance which is mad it's like mm. an office bound procedural police drama versus a, a, a space epic set yep. on different planets yeah same money mate yeah now also famously, um, Ian Schoons, who was like the head of special yep. effects of BBC at the time, or one of the heads, and he was given the job of doing special effects for Blake Seven. He blew the budget for the whole first season in about the first five episodes, didn't he? Yes. he. I mean, there's a, there's a, a sort of slightly apocryphal tale that he tells in it, that he, he blew all of the, the entire series budget for filming on the first episode. Because he wasn't, he thought it was such a low amount. It was for one episode. Now that's not really true because obviously the BBC is much more professional than that. But what he's making is the point that the effects budget was absolutely tiny. I don't know. I've never really seen a figure on it, um, so I'm not sure. But I know um, certainly Doctor Who at the same time. What the the effects budget on that was something. I might be wrong on it, but it was something like £2,000 per half-hour episode for effects. Right. Which, even in 1970s era money, wasn't a lot. No. You know. um, It's crazy when you think about it. So what they did do, the fact that most of it stands up to, I mean, as as we go through it, there's some effects shots uh, that, that Eric really likes. I, I'm a bit less keen on them, but they had to do it for budgetary reasons. Um, but they, they sort of still stand up to the test of time. Yes. And, I, well, let's call it out. The, the, the effect Ian's talking about yeah. is when you would need to show a shot of the Liberator going through space, what they sometimes did is they used an animation. They, yeah. you, you had an incredibly bright 
brightly painted starscape with far too many planets in it, very, very gaudily painted, almost like an anime Battle of the Planets yeah. style starscape with a well, a cardboard cutout <laughs> of the Liberator skidding across this starscape. Now, Ian's not a keen on it. I am, and I think it's just... It's a nostalgia thing because I think back to when Blake Seven first came out, and I'd watch it, and we really we, we that, 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 there was no magazines about it. You had a yeah. little article from time to time in Starburst, and you had your Radio Times listing, but you didn't know anything about it. And I think just visually, it just added to the quirkiness of this show, which was such a shot in the arm for me, science fiction wise. After getting so sick and tired of you know, the silliness of the what was becoming the later Tom Baker yeah, years on Doctor definitely. Who. And just to have this odd... It's like when I first watched Jerry Anderson's UFO and didn't know anything about it. It was just incredibly evocative and strange and interesting. And, you know, I see that now and it, it's purely nostalgic. Yeah, it, it doesn't look convincing in the slightest. But I think if you ever reached a point where Blake Seven was, you know, got the Star Trek treatment, and you could select to have the original effects or go to a CGI one, and they put in a realistic shot. Give me the cartoon one every time, because I'm nostalgic yeah. for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, on, on some of the uh, Doctor Who uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, they've done that very thing. They've, they've gone and um, redone special effects, so they've done CGI Dalek sources and things like that. And um, when they first started doing this, I was thought, oh, excellent, well, let's watch it and you watch it once. You never watch the special effect version again. You always go back to the original one. Mm. Um, and I think, I, yeah, I, I would not want to see an updated version of Blake 7, I don't think. Um, other than the fact that fair, clean the prints up, you know. Yeah. I, I'm not even a keen, a keen fan of when they correct colour uh, timing between scenes. But by all means, do that. But, yeah, don't, don't put a load of CGI liberators in. Um, no, no, I, I, as much as I know, I mean, the, I don't object to the, the, the cartoon liberator as such. It's just, I remember as a kid, it used to jar me as well. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't want it replaced. No. I, I will fight for that right that that cartoon liberator has earned a place in our hearts. But also, I mean, this this story, The Web, is a very good uh, example of if you did do that and if you did yeah. watch it that way and you had, a, you know, a space scene that was all fantastic and, oh, my God, it's so impressive, and then you cut back to the studio, there yeah. was a moment in this story where you see the actors talking and the, the set is clearly wood painted white. Yes, yeah. You know, you would have to CGI all the set as well yeah to, to, to get, make it all match yeah you get to the point you, is why not just remake it yeah um which, do a battle by, star galactica yeah, on exactly, it exactly yeah yeah and and whilst i i i wouldn't wouldn't want to really see a remake um i think they could do it they could remake it it wouldn't be our blake seven but you can enjoy two scenes at once yes know? anything I've tried all recognized systems, but there is nothing. No transmissions of any kind. We'll move out. Go back the way we came. Without detectors, blind backtracking is a good way to run into pursuit ships. We've no choice. If we get clear, then we can outrun them, if necessary. Sensors register increasing gravitational influence. Field strength now 8.6. 
We're moving closer into the planet. Filler, I want a new course. Locate the centre of that gravitational field. I want an attitude that takes us directly away from it. Right. Jenna, stand by to bring her on. How much reserve power is there? Jenna. Jenna. What's wrong? What is the matter with her? I don't know. Villa, give me a hand. We'll take her to her quarters. We have waited for your coming for many years. Welcome. It pleases us that you are here. Who are you? We will meet shortly, and then we shall answer all your questions. For now, it is only important that you understand the danger of your situation. Danger? Your ship is trapped. You cannot free yourselves. We can free ourselves at any time we wish. You underestimate the power of our ship. On the contrary, you overestimate it. We have examined your ship most carefully through our daughter, Calais. You would require to sustain your maximum power for 160 hours to break out of orbit. Your energy cells would be exhausted in less than 100. Gravitational attraction would draw you back to your present position before your cells could be recharged. If we are trapped, then by whom? We do have some influence on your safety, in that it is within our power to release you from the web. That we can and will do, in return for assistance from you. What do you want from us? All right, well, this story then, let's talk about the effects that we see yeah. in this story. And we've just watched it an hour ago, so we're having to rely on yeah. <laughs> two old blokes' memories here. So I know that we start with a planet, which is yes. obviously, you know, Black Park, <laughs> um, just outside Pinewood Studios, um, which is used in all the Hammer films and the carry-ons and professionals and yeah. all these sort of shows. Well, once you spot Black Park, you'll spot it a lot. In yeah, lots of different British stuff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but in this story, it's called the Web, and yeah. so the first thing you see, you see this this forest um, covered in webs. Um, yeah, and it, it it works really well because they they seem to be filming either at very early in the morning or more likely at dusk, so the lighting's really good. Um, and as as you say, Eric, is they they've sort of distributed a lot. I mean, a, a huge amount of of this webbing stuff. So it looks like Halloween spider webs, or uh, we were speculating that it might be um, like loft insulation strung out. It's that sort of look, coupled with there's like in sort of white egg things everywhere. Like, like I'm talking about four foot, sort of four foot across, inflatable, yeah. look like eggs. Um, and it's really, really creepy. It's like, it works. And you, your 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 thoughts on that, Eric, were that it was Ian Skins, wasn't it? That, yes, I think that this is exactly that. what's going on yeah. here. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he had a genius. I mean, he he had a background, um, you know, working on the Hammer films. Then he moved to Jerry Anderson's, uh, you know, Century Twenty One. But I mean, if you see any, uh, I mean, he he's gone now. Uh, but if you see any old interviews with him, he he always dressed in black. He was a 
bit of an HR giger about him, wasn't yes. he? Yeah. Uh, he? He had the strangest haircut, you know, with the most straightest fringe you've ever seen. <laughs> it was almost like a Darth Vader helmet of yeah. hair. And uh, yeah, and, and, he, and he, he leant towards the Gothic. He leant towards the macabre. Yeah. Um, I and mean, it shows I, in everything he does, doesn't it? There's a, yes, yeah. An there is it. that element, and yeah. I'm sure there's a bit of it here. He was responsible for the special effects. I don't know if this scene that we see in the forest falls under special effects or not, but if it did, that's Ian. Um, I, it's just the genius. These eggs that you talk of. I mean, they're weather balloons. You know, yeah. they are yeah. nothing more than weather balloons, and they've been tied down to the ground, and you've got whatever that webbing is but it is creepy the lighting is creepy the camera moves around in a creepy way it moves to this um laboratory base thing you then get a voice don't use a whispering yeah. voice saying they must come they must come to us yeah the, the the um the soundscape on this scene really adds to it as well it's really sort of cleverly done um it, it does work it, it draws you in you're immediately aware that this isn't a normal sort of situation. This isn't a normal quarry that Blake Seven would go down into. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good introductory scene. Yes. And then we go inside. And we go inside and we have yeah. Miles Fothergill, who, who, yeah. who we've already mentioned, and, and the lady who, unfortunately, I've forgotten her name. Yeah, these two people all, um, you know, all in padded suits, lying in, like, armchairs, um, and this voiceover is still going, and uh, the camera continues. It's sort of like um, strolling around, you know, yeah. um, and, and ends up in this room. And this it's is... Very, our... When you think about it, it's very similar to Ridley Scott's um, opening to Alien. around Alien, yeah. Yeah, around the Nostromo. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, except there's no voice saying they must come to us. So, yeah, that would have been, they should have had Ian home in the background whispering. Yes, let's come. <laughs> um, and the camera goes into this room, and the yep. main special effect and the main reason we're doing Good this guy. today is this guy called Samon. Yes, uh, who, who we're going to later find out he's like the last of his kind from the planet Auron. You know that Callie, who's one of Blake Seven, comes from too. And now this scientific expedition that goes to this planet. <sighs> And they're doing genetic engineering, and he <laughs> never goes right. That does it in sci-fi. No, and especially doing, if you're on not an for alien him. Planet doing genetic engineering, you might as well just kill yourself there and then. Yeah. Now, for anybody that hasn't watched yeah. this, um, and who might not have seen the image that's on the Neozaz page that shows exactly what we're talking about, would you care to describe what Samon is and what he looks like? Uh, yeah, it, this this is weird because I imagine. When the special effects guy was drawing this out and saying we could do this, I don't think this is what he pictured. Because if he did, I yeah, I think he probably needed to get another career. So basically, Samon is um, he's a he's a normalish head, bald head, yes. very flaky skin, very flaky man. Um, then he's got like a, a very thick neck, and then it goes down to this emaciated puppet body. But it's not a particularly good puppet because. There's no, there's no joints in this. So he's got like, he's got like pipe clean, pipe cleaner arms and legs, yes. and this li this little emaciated naked torso with an umbilical cord coming out of it. And you think that yeah, that's weird enough, but then imagine he's in a fish tank. <laughs> <laughs> he's in a he fish is tank. in a fish tank. Yeah, um, 
it's just it's the bizarre thing and then they've also decided at that point and we were speculating on why they did this um when when as you go into the set you step upwards about three or four feet and then the, you've got the floor of the set which is built up and he's on that so when people are talking to him he's a foot high yes and we were we were sort of speculating because the, the, obviously it's, it's done in the old classic uh hole in the back of the set and the guy puts his head through you know and they, they used to be a um someone that did that as like a vaudeville act wasn't it do you remember they used to have a little body yes oh, now what a, is that yeah. do you remember do you remember yes um but uh so we were speculating that perhaps it was it was raised up on this raised set so that he could stand up he wasn't having to kneel down the whole time but it, it's so bizarre because when anyone's talking to him, they're, they're looking down. Yes. It'd be like if you put a fish tank on your floor, every time you wanted to look at your fish and have, you know, have talked to them, you'd have to get down on your hands and knees and bend down to talk to them. It's such a bizarre little thing because the, re- the rest of the effects sort of, you know, they vary in quality, but they make sense. This guy doesn't make sense to me. Well, yes. I mean, We've also got to say this fish tank is round, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's, it's it's a well, it's it, it's certainly curved. It's yeah, got, all right, it's, it's a curved it's got, tank. Yeah, because we I, it suggests there's a back to it, but there obviously isn't because the guy's got you know he's got his head through it. Um, so we we think, and you can sort of see later on in the episode where you can slightly see the top of the tank that this is the old sort of stingray style tank where it's actually only about two inches deep. Yes. Um. So it's yeah. It's you mean curve, thick? Yeah, thick, yes. Yes. So you get a curved screen in front of the actor with water in there, because obviously you don't want to put the actor in water. Poor fellow will drown. Um, it keeps the weight down, and it makes him look like he's in the water because you can't see the back of the tank. No. Um, and it, it, it sort of works to a certain extent. <laughs> But on some shots, you do see he starts bubbling and they start feeding bubbles. Up yeah, they've got the bubbles in there to yeah. show you that there is water, water in there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can sometimes see the surface and it's like, oh, it's only it's only two inches thick. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you've got this curved tank with, yeah. as Ian says, you know, maybe a two inch gap, you know, an inner and outer perspex or glass with the water with it bubbling. And yeah. at the back of it, you've got what looks nothing more than a, a, a sheet of foam. Yeah where they've cut the shape of a head out for him to stick his head through and then glued just below where his chin would be this tiny emaciated little body, which looks like it's made out of paper mache. Yeah, it's not, um, well, it's not well detailed. It's not it's very, very well detailed. Yeah. And then, yeah, the actor, we think, and I think we're right, you know, he's he just walks up to this <laughs> hole, which is at his head his height, and yeah. sticks his head through. Um, <clears throat> and... It, you can clearly see that's what they're doing because there's a bloody great gap all the way yes. round. And late, late, at the end of the episode, when he's um, he's getting his comeuppance, the actor puts his head back to scream. Yes. And it's like, no, don't do that because you're in you're in a foam circle. So he actually pulls away from the back of the tank, doesn't he? You can see the gap clearly. There's yes. like a two inch gap round it. Yeah, it's not not a good effect. And then on top of this fish tank, they've obviously thought it's not sci-fi enough, not sci-fi enough. So they've like just stacked a load of old. It looks like cooking utensils or something like that, doesn't it? Like um, mm. cups and bowls. And then thought, let's spray them bright silver. Mm. That that will suggest the future. 
It's um, fine if you then weather it down or, yeah. or something. Do a Nostromo yeah. on it. and Yeah. But no, they don't. And it's no, just that... bright chrome paint, isn't it, really? Yeah. And when we were watching it earlier, I was thinking, well, how could they have got round there? How could they improve this? And I'm thinking either you either tinted the water, because you could tint the water. Yeah. It's not you like you've got goldfish water, yeah. living in it. It's not Stingray where you've got fish in been, it. I would have paid if there was goldfish in it. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> well, we did see, play. didn't we? We did yeah. see a little There's bit floating, floating around. It, yeah. Well, when you said about his tiny little body, something I'd never thought about before is that he's got no genitals, old Simon. And I'm wondering if that bit floating around is meant to be his his, his todger floating around. That's no wonder he's annoyed, is it? Yeah, no wonder he's pissed off all the time. But no, the other thing that I thought um, is what about if it wasn't so brightly lit? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a classic BBC problem, isn't it? That, That... Blake 7 didn't suffer it from it as much as, say, Doctor Who, but it did suffer from it a lot, is that the BBC wouldn't let productions turn the lights down. I, I don't know why. It was presumably some sort of safety regulation. So everything was, was lit at the intensity of a 10,000-watt flood lamp. Mm. Um, I, think, I think this was made... Because I can't believe that the same sort of... Same sort of quality the guys put into the models and the other stuff, the sets, the guns, the weapons, the costumes, that this wasn't designed to look like this. I think that had it been a sort of face height, so if you were standing up, you were looking into it or even looking up at it, I think that would have disguised a lot of the the fact Mm. that he's got his head through a a thing. And yeah, I reckon if, if you tinted that water or adjusted the lighting so it was a bit darker you wouldn't see all the detail of, or the lack of detail. Um, so I reckon this is a, well, probably one of those things where when they would design it, they, they had one thing in mind and they turn up on the studio set and it's like, nope, we're not, yeah, we're not lighting it like that. Mm. We're not putting that up on a, a cabinet because it all might fall over and it's got water in it and we don't allow water on the, you know what I mean? It's, it could be something like that. Yeah, because I was just thinking, when you were saying that, I've got an image now of supposing instead of his tank being on the floor, it was like, you know, 10 feet up. So the actor actually goes up a ladder and puts his head through. So therefore, he's looking down upon, you know, Blake and Avon when they see him. Almost like a... for this sort of godlike... Well, I was thinking Wizard of Oz. Have it like a Wizard of Oz head and and tiny body and then have him lit, lit from below... So you have all those shadows, you, you know, and everything. I think that would have been, may, ah, maybe they they didn't do that because that's too creepy for seven o'clock well, on a Monday that, evening. That, that is also the other factor we've we've got to think here is that this was this was they had certain regulations and they would have the directors and the producers would be you know wrapped over the knuckles if they made stuff too scary. I mean, there's several Doctor Who stories where complaints were handed down from on high at the BBC to say, tone it back. And we know Mary yeah. Whitehouse was watching yeah, as exactly, well. Yeah, yeah. So you're, yeah, it could be a case of they they had to scupper their own believability to make it less scary. Um, or I'm, a combination of all these theories. Maybe, you know. I mean, again, maybe, you know, Ian Schoons. That little body, I can see Ian Schoons making that. That is creepy enough for... Ian Schoons, yeah. and maybe he did want to light it and film it a certain way to make it creepier. And the BBC went, "Nope, you're not having yeah, it. It's got 
flood it with light, take the curse yeah. off of it, sort of thing. Yeah, put, put a bishop in the scene, take the curse off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, could have been, I, yeah. Because we get, later on in, I think, Series 3, we get Moloch, don't we? Who's a similar sort of idea. Mm. It's a little, a little uh, creepy puppet. Um, massive head, tiny body. Um, so they could have gone the puppet route as well, couldn't they? But do you reckon it originally was meant to move as well? And that could be a reason they've said it's it's too scary to move it, just to have it dangle. Well, I was going to say, um, there are moments where his legs do move. And yeah, I don't think he's being puppeteered. I think I think that body no, is paper mache, no. right? It's stuck to the foam. And every time that actor's talking, yeah. the body just moves a little bit. It's as simple as that. Yeah, could could be, could be. He hasn't got any Kermit-like if... rods or anything. Well, I was like just going to say that. Yeah, can you imagine if he had Kermit arms? Oh, oh that... <laughs> it, it was. Um, I don't really remember it, but uh, in one of Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer's show, they did um, sitting at the dock of the bay. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Do you remember? Watch the and ships that... out and watch yeah. them come back in again. Watch <laughs> the ships sailing out and coming back in again. And they did the same thing. It was a head through a thing, it, but they yeah, had with the wire arms. Yeah. 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 Now that was more believable. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's Samon. He's our main yes. effect of the day, right? And yeah, Samon's there because they need these power cells, and they sense that the liber or he senses that the liberator is nearby. And yeah. one of the crew of the liberator is Callie, who comes from the same planet as him, and uh, they that they get her to nobble the ship and change course. And fly near the planet, and uh, yeah, it's called the web because not only do we have the web down on the planet, somehow, yes, I, I, I don't, I can't remember. Do they actually address how this web in space is actually created? Well, yeah, they've got that, they've got that uh, web creation machine, the one at the end web. Where Blake says, "This is the switch on the yeah, that's, web creation machine that, that fires that a beam it, yeah. through the web." But how, why would you create a machine to create a web in space? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I get, it could be that this is this is a confused Terry Nation script, or there's stuff missing because the the whole story doesn't really help on the, on the bigger picture, does it? <coughs> Pardon me. So. He's like a, he's this wizened little body, but he's got an, he's got power enough to contact someone in the depths of space yep. through telepathy. Um, he's presumably got power enough to create these webs. He's created a beam to open up the. Web. I don't know why he's created a beam. So I'm presuming at some point ships were coming backwards and forwards. Uh, Maybe to this to this base because otherwise, why would you need that? Why would you need a special beam? to create a hole in the webs if no one ever visits you. Yeah. Yeah, it falls down a bit, mm. doesn't it? it does, oh, Terry yeah. doesn't... I hadn't thought that one through, Eddie. No, it's... It, we're, sometimes with Terry scripts, it's um, it's get get from point A to point B, then don't worry about what happened at point A because we're now going to point C. Yes. So his scripts would sometimes... You just have to go... Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll live with that, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they get there and, yeah, this web ensnares them and yeah. uh, they see it on their scanners and that's fine. That's That really does look like, you know, shop-bought Halloween yes. spiders but, webs. Yeah, it's, it's a simple effect. It's just, so we're, we're looking at the point of view of the ship and they're obviously just rolling a camera through some some webbing hung up in a darkened room. But it's, it, it works really well. It, it works well. It works less well when we've got an exterior shot and we've got the Liberator. Yeah. 
uh, we were just saying on the other show that we've just done that that can't be the big three-foot Liberator yeah. model because it's on a stand and it would have been far too heavy. Um, I, I, I think it's one of the smaller models for this bit. And unfortunately, they show the Liberator traveling through the web and there's one huge, great <laughs> strand yeah. of it yeah. which just like pings out the way and it it doesn't... Uh, they're not using high-speed photography or anything like that. It no. just goes through a bit of fake spider's web it, it does it look i made a, a joke on it that it looks very similar to like they they're on a shopping trolley pushing the the miniature across because it wobbles something yeah. awful um but the miniature itself all three sizes of miniature for the liberator are glorious yep they're, they're really well done um, and the big one <coughs> the three yeah. foot one is the one where we see when they're trying to blast their way out of the web, yes. uh, they fire their neutron blasters, and we get a nice close-up of one of their weapons pods with the, you, you know, well, I'll use the word immaculate. I don't think I'm wrong. Immaculate detailing work and panel work that Martin Bauer yeah, is so famous for. Absolutely class work. Um, it, it really helps. It gives a, a sort of feel to the show that belies its budget. These, these, they were. I think they were very, very clever in spending a quite a chunk of their special effects budget on the main ship yep. because that's the ship we see all the time. Um, yeah, very, very, very clever. Um, because every time you see that massive model, you're sort of you're you're fooled into thinking, oh, the rest of the show is is a high budget one as well. Mm. Um, and a lot of it was just stock footage, wouldn't it? They would film. Going left to right, going right to left. That was yeah, Matt Irvin. Clever, yeah. yeah. When Matt Irvin took over for season two from Ian Schoons, he very cannily copied what Ian Schoons had done, which is to do it again cannily on film rather than video yeah. at Bray Studios, where you've got lighting men who know yeah. how to light yeah. models. Yeah. And he, yeah, he spent a lot of times filming the liberator going left to right right to left turning around this way turning that way and yeah when you get to watch blake seven like we did for blake seven in character you spot those effects over and over again because they're brilliant shots yeah they're superb watching it weekly as a casual viewer you wouldn't you would because most most casual viewers have no concept of how a tv show is made so they would they would be thinking they're filming all of this stuff they wouldn't know what stock footage was if it you know, gave my haircut. Um, and I'm not talking about like in the Battlestar Galactica way where, I mean, I love the original Battlestar Galactica, but they very rapidly run out of effects money. So they would reuse the same shots, but sometimes four or five times in the same episode. Yes. We're not talking though, but yeah, really cleverly done. Because it's, we said in, in one of our um, uh, podcasts, we sort of said, this is the equivalent when they show the Liberator, dan, 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 and you see it hanging in space or moving. That's the the establishing shot equivalent on a a crime drama showing the police station, yes, or on a military drama showing the base, and it it sets the scene. It's it's really cleverly done, and for them to do put all of the money into that, yeah, well yeah. done, well done, yeah, well done. All right, so that that they get trapped. Callie is possessed, and then Jenna is say. possessed. So Blake has no choice to go down to the planet and meet it, these people. Are you worried that it's the two women that get possessed? Yeah, this is all a bit 
Yeah. yeah. All a bit 70s, isn't it? Um, so Blake goes down, he meets these two people, and yes. also, just before that, he meets a Decima. Decima, yes. See, when you said Samon's the main effect, I was going to say, oh, is he, though? Well, Samon yeah. is effect. Is, is a Decima an effect, or is Ooh. it costume? See, Good this question. is... Because... I mean, it's not a standard costume. Again, okay. listener, if you don't know what we're talking about, if, 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 if you Google Blake Seven Decimas, you'll know what we're talking about because it's not your standard costume, is it? No. To, yeah, to diverge a little bit then. That, I've ne- you know what? I've never really considered that question. When does a costume become an effect? So would you call the Creature in the Black Lagoon a costume or an effect? Well... I mean, there so are would, effect parts it to it. Effect. I mean, he's yeah. got moving gills. That's not yeah. costume, is it? To have the bladders making it, his gills move, that's not costume, is it? No. It, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? I've never really thought about that. You might be right that these should be classed as costumes, but I just think of them as special effect because they're not, they're not clothing. They're an alien creature. And also, you know, the yeah. top of their heads. I mean, they they have no shoulders. The Decimus have yeah. no shoulders. They have no chin. They have no heads. You know, their their head is part of their body, and that is a special effect, I think, because yeah. they, they have they... this like dome to their head or, or the top of their body, yeah. which comes down to where their shoulders would be. Yeah, they're very fetal-like, aren't they? Um, yeah, fetus-like, um, which I suppose fits in with the the theme of the story, you know, because these are genetically created uh, creatures that we find out later on. But um, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know whether to call them a special effect or not now. They are fabulous, whatever they are. They are fabulous. I I love the design. I love the colour of them. I love the fact that they seem to have like frilly lighting all over them. Um, and, and, and very effective. We've just been talking about it on the other podcast, yeah. you know, you, the main you one. See, yeah, you can see the, the actors in them. You can see their eyes. And that's that, spooky. That, oh, yeah, that works well. They are creepy. Um, you know, the fact that, yeah, you can see the actor. It's Deep Roy, isn't it? The one that Blake yeah. meets first and that gets killed. Um, but they, they, they've put red all around their eyes. So the eye hole of these decimal costumes well, we, don't we go up to the have. eyeball, do they? <laughs> we hope they have because if that is um, fiberglass lock yes. insulation they're using as a web, that might have been just a happy, happy coincidence. It might be paint fumes off of their costume; yeah, they weren't quite dry. But yeah, no, they are creepy as yeah, anything. Creepy. The Decimas. I've, I've seen them derided by some fans as you know silly creatures, but no, I, there's just I something about them. No. I think it's very clever as well because they've, they're, although they're creepy looking and they're quite scary looking they're also they've got the way they've been designed and i think it's again because they 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 got they're a little bit fetal like and the way they move and their voices there there's there's a lot of sympathy you have for them even straight from the get-go yes you don't you don't immediately think oh these are going to be the big bad for this episode you're immediately drawn into like oh this i oh i'm i'm torn with my views here because because the first one we see is sort of pleading with Blake isn't it yeah to help them yes yeah Yeah, it's it's spooky stuff spooky what do you think if you took the Decimas yeah and they took over from 
the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. Oh, they would have been so much better. Similar sort of height, yeah. living in a forest. Probably a lot of the same actors. Yeah, well, yeah, more than likely. Yeah. That would be brilliant. Creepy yeah. Ewoks rather than teddy bears. Yeah. And that would, that would, I think that would have been a better sort of juxtaposition. I know George Lucas was going with the, well, I mean, it was sort of changed and made up because it was originally meant to be Chewbacca's race, wasn't it? Yeah. Wookies. But since it's been revisioned into, we wanted to show that a harmless looking race could take down the Emperor and that, but... But no, I think the decimals would have worked really good. You wouldn't have sold so many toys, though, would you? I reckon you'd have sold more. Yeah, you would have bought them. <laughs> yeah, I would have bought them. I um, I can't. When you were when you were a kid, well, actually, you would have, might have been too old for it. But when Return of the Jedi came out and the Star Wars figures of the Ewoks, did anyone ever buy the Ewoks? I never I did. Didn't. No. <laughs> no. No. So, yeah, we got the Desmas. Yeah, they're genetically engineered by old Samon. He, he's also yep. genetically engineered the other two that we see in there. Yeah. And, they're they're uh, trying to create a sort of a, a worker force, aren't they? A slave. Everyone's always trying to exploit the workers, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. There's a definite, and, um, a definite socialist uh, side to this show, I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the other special effects is at the end where, um, you know, the... Uh, Avon, one of the other crew members, has come down with these power cells that Samon needs. They go into the base, but one of them, I think it's Miles, stupidly forgets to lock the door. Yeah. And these, what a uh, yeah, these decimas come in and start decimating because yeah. uh, this is Terry Nation, isn't it? So yes, yeah. their names have got to mirror what they do. Yeah, so yes, yes. the decimas decimate and uh, smash the place up. Yeah. For some bizarre reason, these two who, uh, you, you know, to all intents and purposes, look human, um, uh, when they're knocked to the ground, instantly turn into skeletons. Yes, and then get uh, their skulls crushed Yes, the decimers. It's, yeah. it's quite, again, quite creepy, quite strong for, you know, a Monday evening in 1978. Yes. Quite, yeah. quite strong stuff, after, you know, after Question of Sport or whatever was on. And I'm thinking uh, it's Ian Schoons again. I reckon so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I can remember watching this originally, and this episode stuck with me. And it was because of these sort of scenes. Yeah, I I loved being scared as a kid. You know, on tilt film and TV, I didn't, you know, not in real life. But in film and TV, I loved scary movies, and I loved being scared. And I think kids do, don't they? Yeah. They, it, That's what Roald Dahl safe, always said, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I know I did. And this stuck with me. The stuff that's it's like this, um, Space Nineteen Ninety Nine Dragon's Domain. Oh yeah. The the the, the yeah scary stuff. Going yeah. that extra step. Yeah, yeah. Um and yeah, I mean that I've I've we see the, the Liberator escape from the yes. from the web, which that looks more like your fiberglass um, loft yes, insulation um, when it pulls away. But, uh, yeah, and the Decimus find Samon, and it is unfortunate, you know, yeah. that they've, uh, they've done the effect the way they have. Because, like you say, he does this agonised scream as they go to kill him. And, yeah, the actor leans backwards, and you can totally yeah. see it's just a head in a piece of foam, which I, I is a bit of a shame. Not- yeah, not the sort of thing they could refilm, though, is it? Because obviously the decimals have smashed everything. They're smashing everything around him. Mm. I imagine they couldn't go. Oh, you know, we can see the join there. Let's retake that. They couldn't have done it, could they? So no. they were stuck with whatever camera angle. Yeah, they had. Yeah, it's just a shame. It. I mean, the, the the effect wasn't doing its best to convince you, but this is the knife in the 
Yeah, and it is a shame because, you know, I've, I've recorded these on audio, on cassette, and I used to listen to this one a lot. And Simon's voice is really good, you know, and on audio, the story is really good. It's a really good story. It's an interesting premise. And, uh, you know, we got good characterization with our main cast and everything. But, yeah, the visuals do let it down. They do. Mm. Yeah, I imagine on audio, because the, the the soundscape on this one, the soundtrack, is superb. It's really been well thought out. The Desmas have really creepy, high-pitched voices. You know, Miles Fossengill has is, is got a voice you could listen to him just speaking the uh, telephone book. Um, and Samon's got a really good voice, bubbly, creepy sort of voice. So imagine on audio, this, this end sequence yeah. must have been even... It, you know, terrifying. Yeah, is yeah. screaming everything, you know, yeah. and when Avon says, this is what you're trying to protect, as they're smashing it all up, you know, no, it's terrific stuff. Yeah. Did you, were you shocked when you finally saw it, presumably on VHS, when you finally Yeah, when I saw it on VHS, yeah. yeah, because, of course, you know, um, we remember the Decimas because that, yeah, that, there were good publicity yeah. stills of Gareth Thomas with, you know, a Decima. But there was never a photo of Samon. No. And it had gone to the back of your mind about what this guy in a tank looked like, you know. And, yeah, that was a shock when it came out on VHS. Yeah. Did you gather your family around and say, family, this, uh, I remember this episode being amazingly scary. Let's sit down and watch it. And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's the effects of this uh, story over with. I have two snippets of... uh, behind-the-scenes information for well, you, you've Ian. You've got an exclusive, haven't you? Got some well, an exclusive, exclusive to you and maybe oh, the listener, me, yeah. because, yeah, I mean, we featured on Blake Seven in Character years ago, years and years and years ago. Three years ago, did I say? I think it's three yeah, years three ago. three years ago, you said almost to the day. Yeah, yeah. but this information um, I never had back when we did this, so this was news to me, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's news to you, right? Number one. In the original script, Samon was going to be just a regular human, right? Oh, right. Who, who was, but he had a life support system like he has in, in this story, yeah. uh, but it was more coffin-like. He was just laying in like a coffin. Mm, I, don't, I don't know whether that would have worked better or worse. I think it's Ian Schoon's mm. taking that and go, yeah. all right, we need a body in a coffin. S- and he's coffin. the one who made it, yeah, yeah made it more grotesque. I th- yeah. I'm sure it's Ian Schoon's. Who's responsible for it? You know. Yeah, because because that 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 does sound very much like Terry Nation. He was a genius at writing scripts that appealed to low budget producers. So mm. he would he would often write uh, the four heroes go into a room. It is completely plain and white. Yes, because yeah. he knew that if he had said they go into a room, it's a magical cityscape full of marvel. The producers wouldn't go any further. They didn't no, get no, that. Reject. Yeah. yeah so I, yeah. he might what have done. Yeah. You go in the room. Oh, there's a man in a tank. Well, he's laid down. Yeah. It could well be something like that. And Ian Skins has gone. Yeah. We can do better than that. Yeah. I think I, I think you've yeah. hit the nail on the head there. Yep. And the other thing, and you're not going to like this because well, I didn't like it. And it's like, and I immediately thought I don't like that. And Ian's not going to like no it. No animals right? were hurt. Were no, 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 no. In the original script, right? Yeah. Uh, the expedition to the planet wasn't from Alron, it was from Earth, right? Oh, right. Okay. And and the lab that we see, instead of being, you know, those inflatable buildings that we see, uh, they were, it was actually meant to be cobbled together from the spaceship that had crashed there, oh, all right? Okay. So the laboratory was made out of the remains of the spaceship that they travelled to the planet in, and on the side of the spaceship, 
it said Space Laboratory Project 9, 1998. Right? Oh yeah. So they were supposed to have landed in 1998 on this planet or shortly after. Okay? And I don't like that because the whole no. appeal of Blake 7 is it's in the second calendar. Yeah. It's an unspecified time way, way, way in our future. I don't like the idea that you've actually got something from our time. I mean, in Killer, we find out about their spaceships that were launched, blah, 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 blah. But that's in our future still. It, 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 yeah. No, I don't like it. No, I don't, I don't think that would have worked. Um, Blake 7, would, like you say, was much better when it... Because occasionally you would, you would have an Earth relic and they would show an old gramophone or something like that. But it worked so much better when it... Because it, it was so distant, wasn't it? It wasn't, this is a few years in the future. No. Everyone's I mean, using normal guns, but remember, it was set massively in our future. It'd be like trying to trying to refilm June, but saying, well, it takes place in 2035. That'll do. Yeah, yeah. You, no, it's it part of the story. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. I hate and absolutely loathe that they've actually given a timeline and dates for the Alien films. I hate yes. that. I, I, I love the fact that Alien yeah. is sometime in the future and it's yeah. it, it, it's just somewhere far off, you know? I hate the fact that it's in a hundred years' time Alien's supposed to take place. No, 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 yeah. no. Because I'm always... I, I then, I'm then thinking, how did we get to that then? How do we get to it? And it... Yeah, I much prefer it that it doesn't need to be set. You don't need a timeline. Bloody fans. Ooh. See, Blade Runner, I mean, we've overtaken Blade Runner, haven't yeah. we, you know? Yeah. And it, you didn't need to put that that, that yeah. was 2019, you know? Yeah. Anyway, rant over. Um, before we go, we've got to rate the special effects, Ian. Right. Out of 10. Are we breaking them down? Or is no, it no. As a, 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 as a group rating. Because it's, it's difficult, that, because... Like you say, the decimas and the liberated shots and the web, they're all located sets. But same ones a bit. Um, oh, blimey. I, I, I love Blake 7. I couldn't give same on more than... I think I'm being generous. I'll give him a six, but I think I'm being generous there. Is that for Samon and the decimas and the webs all together? Yeah, I think, I think, I think Samon drags it down. Yeah. I, yeah, I think six. I think six. I, I wouldn't want anyone to go off and that doesn't know Blake 7 to go off and watch it thinking they're going to get a special effects extravaganza <laughs> mm. because same one will shock them. Yeah. yeah, if it was a Desmas on their own, I think they would they would probably be a 7 or an 8. Yeah, Possibly, yeah an eight. see, this but, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. If 5 is average, then yes. the Desmas are above it. But same exactly. ones below it, so I've I've stayed at five. I've just done oh, a middle of the road five. All right, that, yeah. so that's five and a half. All right. I can't remember what we gave the Liberator reveal. And that's at like an eight or a we, nine. We gave isn't it, it high, <laughs> yeah, because we're yeah. both <laughs> we were slightly prejudiced. But I do think that that initial bam 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 shot style hands up. Anyone that watches that and isn't impressed by it, then just kindly leave. Leave yeah. the room. <laughs> we don't want to know you, yeah, do we? we don't want your sort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for these uh, two podcasts today. No, no, I've enjoyed that. A All blast right. from the past, that was. Yes, yes. Excellent. All right. Okay. Right. I've got to go and have my dinner because we're recording Mad Max tomorrow, aren't we? we are, we're, yes. We're yeah. busy little podcasters, you and I. It's a, it's a hard job, but someone's got to do it. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll speak to you in about 
22 hours then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, listener. Thanks for bearing yes, with thanks us. Thanks for listening. All right. And see you next time. Thanks, Ed. Cheers, Bye. then. Bye. Bye. <laughs>